2000, 2000 years ago, on Palm Sunday, the first day of the Passion Week, that is what today is, when Jesus did enter into the city of Jerusalem. Yes, there are many passages, there are many texts that we can go to look for this, but I'm going to ask you and invite you to turn this morning to the Gospel of Luke chapter 19, verse 28 to 40. This is the one of the account that tells us what happened on Palm Sunday. And as we read our text today, I will ask and answer the three questions that I brought for you to help your understanding what really happened 2,000 years ago on Palm Sunday. So the first question is, what did Jesus do? What did Jesus do? Verse 28 begins like this. And when he had said these things, when Jesus say, when Jesus had said what? What did Jesus say? Just prior to this event, Jesus told a story or parable of a nobleman who went to a faraway land to be crowned king. As he was leaving, he gave 10 minas to 10 servants and told them to invest it for him while he was gone. The story tells us about three of these servants, what they did with their monies and how the master rewarded them when he returned as king. That is the story, parable, Jesus had just finished telling. And now in Luke chapter 19, verse 28, we see that when he had said this, he went on, a, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. So now most Jesus, Jesus disciples are thinking something like this. Here we go, right? Here we go. He had just told us a story about being crowned king. And now we are going to Jerusalem to destroy the Roman Empire. And Jesus is going to be crowned king. And we're his disciple so that we can expect something from Jesus. Praise the Lord. God is good all the time. But let's see what Jesus does. Okay, Let's see what Jesus does. Verse 29. When he drew near to Bethphage and Bethany at the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of the disciples saying, go into the village in front of you, where on entering you will find a young donkey that is tied up on which no one has ever which no one has ever yet set. Untie it and bring it. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? You shall say this, the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent went away and found it just as he had told them. And as they were untying the young donkey, its, its owner says to them, why are you untying the young donkey? And they said, the Lord has need of it. And they brought it to Jesus 
and throwing their clocks on their on, on the young donkey, and they set Jesus on it. So Jesus gives his disciple some very curious instruction. He called two of his disciples, saying, "Go into the village. You walk into the village in front of you, and you are going to find a young donkey." That is tied up, and that has never been ridden. And you untie it and bring it to me. Now that sounds really strange, doesn't it? It sounds really strange. It sounds like Jesus is telling his disciple to go and steal a donkey for him. But that is not what is going on at all. In the ancient world, including Israel, they had a concept of eminent domain that was much more limited than we have in our country. But one of the authority of the king. Was to commandeer a beast of burden whenever he needed. So any king in the ancient world, they can take either horse or ox or donkey whenever they need it. And so Jesus, as the king, exercised that right here. And commands his disciple to go get the young donkey. In addition to it, what Jesus is consciously doing is fulfilling the prophecy of the Old Testament. Zechariah chapter nine, verse nine says, "Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion! Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem!" Behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the fall of a donkey. So Jesus is not telling his disciple to go and steal a donkey for him, but asking them to bring a donkey so that he can fulfill the prophecy of the Old Testament. Another thing we notice is Jesus is doing something completely different thing than other kings do. Most of the kings in the ancient world they rode on great steed, magnificent horses, like Alexander the Great, but not so the king of the Jews. Jesus is about to enter into the city of Jerusalem, riding on a donkey, which is the lowly creature. It shows humility and peace. Christ did not want to enter into the city of Jerusalem riding a magnificent horses. He did not wear a crown, or. Carry a sword, like the most kings do in the ancient world. 
This is all important because we are going to see that the people thought they were getting a military messiah, a military king, someone who was going to judge and fight. But Christ wants them to see him differently. So when he rides in a donkey, this was his way of saying, hey guys, I come in peace. Jesus Christ came not to destroy or receive the kingdom, but to create a new kingdom. Not to condemn, but to help. Not in the mighty arms, but in the strength of love. Jesus was definitely making a claim. Then the question is, did people, the whole multitude of the Jesus disciple, did people recognize his claim? Yes, but not the one Christ was trying to make. We have seen first, what did Jesus do? And in Luke 19, verse 36, shows us, secondly, what the crowds did. What did people do? Let's see how they understood, and, and, and let's see how they understood Jesus' claim. Verse 36, it says, And as he rode, as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. Spreading of garments represents royal respect. It was a sign of paying tribute, like, like rolling out the red carpet today. By laying down their cloths, they were giving Jesus a kingly welcome. But this is only the first thing they did. They do a couple other things, like cheering, waving palm branch, But all of these things reveal, thirdly, what crowds, what the people wanted. Verse 37. As, as, verse 37. As he was drawing near already on the way down Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they have seen. Saying, blesses the king, blesses the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven, and glory in the highest. The gospel of Mark used the Greek word Hosanna. So there, um, Hosanna, there were some people who were waving the palm branch and crying out, Hosanna. I brought my Palm branch here. It's okay. I brought my palm branch here. So there were some people who were waving of the palm branch crying, Hosanna. The question is this. What do you think Hosanna means? What do you think Hosanna means? Last night, last night, I called um, two people about to ask about the meaning of Hosanna. Not because... Not because, you know, not because of, I did not know the meaning of Hosanna. 
but because, you know, I just want to know what are the people thinks, what are, what are the Christians thinks about the meeting of Hosanna. So I, I called my sister, my one and only sister, younger sister, her name is Grace Kim. I called her and say, without saying hi, how are you? How was your day? Like, you know, how have you been? Without saying those things, I just say, yo, what do you think Hosanna means? And she was like, wait a minute. I know what you're trying to do. If I give a wrong answer, you're going to make fun of me. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So she said, just give me one minute. And after a few seconds later, she came back and said, Hosanna means praise Jesus who comes in the name of the Lord. Praise Jesus who comes in the name of the Lord. And I was like, did you use your Bible? And she said, yes. I was like, you cheater. And boom. And I asked another person. She's my wife. Her name is Grace Kim. <laughs> so we have two Grace Kim in my family. And her definition of Hosanna is welcome. Welcome. Now, my question is this. Which one is the right answer? Which one is the right answer? If Pastor Norman is here to preach, the, uh, preach about the Palm Sunday, he will probably ask you to unmute yourself and tell him about the meaning of Hosanna. But I will, I will not do that. I will not do that. Here is the answer. The Hosanna means save us now. So who was right? I was right. <laughs> save us now. The Greek word hosan means save us. And the Greek word na means now. So hosanna, save us now. Save us now. The people here took this palm branch that were symbol of victory and waved them in the air, crying out hosanna. Hosanna, bless is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna, save us now, Lord. Bless is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. And they were reciting Psalm chapter 18, verse 25 and verse 26. It says, save us, we pray. You see it? The, the meaning of the, the Greek or Hosanna. Save us, we pray, O Lord. O Lord, we pray, give us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. Notice that they changed just one word. Instead of using the word he, they used the word king. And it tells us clearly that they want a king, a military king, a king like a David, a king who can fight for them. But once again, Jesus came not to destroy or receive, or, or receive the kingdom, 
but to create his kingdom. Not to condemn, but to help. Not in the mighty arms, but in the strength of love. And verse 39 says, And some of the Pharisees in the crowd say to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciple. So Pharisees are right there in the midst, chanting away, Blesses the king who comes in the name of the Lord. And some of their numbers, it says some of their numbers back off and says, whoa, 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 Jesus, you need to tell your disciples to stop it. To tell them to be quiet. They are going to raise up in insurrection and the empire will not be happy with this. The Pharisees had, you know, at that time, the Pharisees had a peace treaty with the Roman Empire um, at that point, where they were able to practice their religion um, in safety. They were able to keep their sacrifice, and they were not required to worship the Roman's God. Therefore, Jesus marching into town as the king is going to interrupt that, interrupt that. So they are very, very angry. That's why they say, teacher, rebuke your disciple. Tell them to stop it and tell them to be quiet. And verse 40 says, he answered, I tell you, If these were silent, the very stone will cry out. What did Jesus mean by this statement? If these were silent, the very stone would cry out. What did Jesus mean by this statement? Did Jesus mean that the rocks, that the stones would literally start shouting praise to the Lord? The answer is yes. (laughs) Yes. From what we learned, um, our last sermon series, what was the title? Um, God, His People, and His Land. We, we learned that all creature of our God and King lift their voice and sing their Creator. That's what we learned. All creatures of our God and King, they lift up their voice and sing their creators. Nothing can be silent before Jesus because Jesus is worthy to be praised. The praises to Jesus cannot be silenced by the empire, by sword, by the threat, or by fear. If you read the book of Acts chapter 16, verse 16 to 40, there is a story that the Apostle Paul and Silas were in the, in, in the prison. They were beaten severely and thrown into jail because they preached the gospel. In other words, they told people to do things that are not right for them as Romans do. So when they, when they were in jail, do you remember or do you know, do you know what did they do in jail? Do you remember, or do you know what did they do in the prison? 
About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God with loud voice. How do I know? Because the other prisoners were listening to them. Were listening to them. I don't know what they, I don't know what they sing. I don't know what, what, what hymns they chose to sing because the Bible doesn't say anything about it. The Bible doesn't give me any title of it. I don't know. But every time, whenever or every time I draw that picture of that moment, I can definitely hear the song of the greatest thy faithfulness from here. I don't know what they sing, but every time I draw that picture, that picture of that moment, I can definitely hear the song of greatest thy faithfulness. Greatest thy faithfulness. O God, my Father, there is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not thy compassion, they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever wilt be. Great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness. The people of God proclaiming the name of Jesus Christ will continue unstoppable until Christ's return. Nothing can stop us to praise, the praise, to praise the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Nothing. And that will only be the beginning. In God's kingdom and in his kingdom, all other glories will be silenced. And the people of God will continue to sing the mighty works of Jesus Christ. And his name will be lifted up by his people forever and ever. That is what exactly happened 2,000 years ago on Palm Sunday the first day of the Passion Week. And here's my conclusion. At the triumphal entry, Jesus presents himself as Messiah. The people proclaim him as Messiah. The different Messiah. Military Messiah. And Jesus accepts their praise. That's what the triumphal entry meant to those who were there that day. So what does Jesus' triumphal entry mean to us today? Let me leave you um, with three words of application. First, believe that Jesus is the Messiah. Believe that Jesus is the Messiah. What the people proclaim about Jesus on, the, on that first Palm Sunday, I also, proclaim, I also proclaim to you today. Jesus is the Messiah. He is the Christ. He is the Savior. He came in fulfillment of the, all the Old Testament. He came to deliver all people everywhere from the power of sin. That's our first application this morning. Believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah sent from God. Second, serve Him as King. As Messiah, Jesus is not only Savior, but Lord. He is king of the universe who entered into the city of Jerusalem that first Palm Sunday. Righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey. 
The people spread their cloaks under Jesus' feet as a sign of their submission. Will you bow your knees to Christ? Will you submit to him as Lord and serve him as your king? And, and then finally, proclaim his praises. Philippians chapter 2 verse 7 and 8 says that Jesus is the eternal son of God who made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus is worthy of all praise. How do we respond to Jesus' triumphal entry today? Believe that Jesus is the Messiah and serve him as king and proclaim his praises. Amen. Let's pray. Father, uh, we thank you for your word and we welcome you. We welcome you because you are the Messiah. You are the true Messiah. And thank you for sending, um, sending your one and only son to save us from the power of sin and help us to reflect what Jesus did during this um, Holy Week, Passion Week. Help us to reflect and meditate his work. We thank you and we trust you and we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.